0: yankees files podcast we are back i'm will harris you're alec whipple you are a distinguished guest uh jordan levine also known as at xwoba underscore woba because twitter doesn't let you use the dash in your handle on twitter uh you should all go follow jordan he was my high school golf teammate um and is now a graduate business student and a member of yankees twitter and his stuff is interesting and you'll find that today, but the Yankees are coming off a six and a week after Whipple and I had the most alarming podcast of the year. The Yankees uh, decided that they should sweep the angels, sweep the tigers and send Mike Trout into literally the worst spin of his career, which is bad for my fantasy team, but good for the New York Yankees. Um, Six Yankees teams uh, prior to this year have started 39 or 15, 39 and 15 or better. Of those teams, all six made the World Series, four won it. So the Yankees continue to be on just a ridiculously good pace. Whipple, we were we were pretty worried last week. You know, everyone was hurt. The Yankees were not scoring runs. Things looked about as bleak as they can look for a team that's in fourth place or first place by what, six plus games at that point? Uh seven plus games now. What, what's your reaction to just how well this team bounced back and played this week?
1: I think it's funny that we had overwhelmingly the most negative episode of this, you know, th- these last six weeks. And then this happened. I mean, a, a week in which the Yankees each game got better and better. And by the end of the week, it was just I mean, today's game, there was never a doubt they were going to win the game, even when it was close at the end. You know, you you just felt they were on one of those roles and it i think last week we framed the conversation as you know this is us trying to figure out how to make the yankees a title contender not trying to keep their heads above water well th- i think the answer was you know just wait and let them play a few more games i mean it shows just how all around dominant this team has been um in you know the pitching this week just on another level the hitting you know there's things that we can talk about there's still reasons for concern um i don't know if those were entirely alleviated this week but it was good to get Stanton and Donaldson back I think you said you know that's that might be the answer just wait for this lineup to get deeper and scarier and that's what happened it also made me realize the American League is really weak right now and I think that's a huge part of you know why I feel so good about this team and why they're just playing so well and it goes to what we were talking about at the beginning of the year how maybe the expanded postseason was disincentivizing teams to go all out to win we can't even say the Yankees went all out to put together, you know, the best team they could have. But now we're looking at a team that is pitching incredibly well and hitting pretty well. But just you look at all these other teams. I mean, they're playing teams that are supposed division contenders in the White Sox and Anaheim, and they're just steamrolling them. So that was, I guess something else we learned this week is just the league is not that good. And the Yankees are that good and they're going to beat the bad teams. They're going to beat the good teams. They're going to be all the teams in between. And it's just it's fun to watch. So, you know, that's the the moment of panic has receded for the time being. And um, I think it's mostly thanks to their incredible pitching staff, but they're hitting pretty well, too.
0: Yeah, someone uh, I was at the Orioles game the other day and someone asked me, uh, given how well the Mets are playing against the Dodgers, who's more likely to make the World Series, the Yankees or the Mets? And I said, obviously, it's the Yankees. The American League just isn't that deep. And I think that's exactly what you're getting at there. Like, the second-place team in every division except the East is truly awful. Truly awful. Uh, either they're managed by Tony La Russa or they are the Angels and have that pitching staff. You know, they're, the, the second-place team in every division is truly awful. Mm-hmm. And when the only real impediment is a Houston team that insists on starting you know, Nico Goodrum and whoever else, I'm sure that this will come back to bite me, but like, you know, (sighs) it's, it's, it's not as deep a league as the national league. So Jordan, you, uh, are a lifelong Yankee fan. You are very educated about baseball. Um, I think it would be valuable for you to just take us through kind of your reaction to last season, your expectations for this season and how this team's first 54 games have, uh, you know, fared with respect to what you expected from them.
2: Yeah. Uh, Thanks very much for having me on the podcast, by the way. We're at the one third mark of the season. The Yankees are 39 and 15. They just won six games in a row this past week. So pretty good episode for me to come on the podcast for the first time. Going back to last year, that was definitely the most frustrating year as a fan I've ever had. Every game was a nail biter. Some we won, some we lost. Um, It just wasn't enjoyable baseball. Um, This year has been such a better brand of baseball, and I think it starts with the pitching and the defense. Over the winter, Cashman made those moves for Kyner Falefa, uh, for Trevino. Um, We have a healthier lineup. uh, I guess I don't want to say Hicks is in there for more games, but Gallo's in there for for a full season. Uh, The team's healthy. The pitching staff is deep. The the, the relief pitching has been good. a little bit of the injury bug in the last couple of weeks, but it's a long season, so that's going to come and go. I'm really optimistic about where the Yankees are right now. Uh, they're playing great baseball, and like Whipple hinted at, I think the this past week was the best turn of a starting pitching rotation in baseball for an entire week that we'll see in the MLB in 2022. It was so impressive. Uh, it set the tone for the Team in general, Uh, the offense, like you said, Will, wasn't its best it's ever going to look. But with the starting pitching, the way it worked and with Clay Holmes at the back of the bullpen, uh, it led up to a six in a week.
0: So, Jordan, we really do appreciate you coming on. Uh, And it's pretty cool that one day I just woke up and saw a bunch of people retweeting your stats about, like, who the luckiest and unluckiest hitters in baseball were. And I was like, wait, I know that guy. Um, So so that was pretty cool. Um, But. You know, your brand on Twitter, at least at the beginning, was here are the people who are getting very lucky or the people who are getting very unlucky across baseball. I know that um, Andrew Benintendi, who is a guy who people have mentioned as a trade candidate for the Yankees, has gotten pretty lucky throughout the year. I know that... um, my former, uh, a guy who used to live in my dorm at Notre Dame, Matt Vierling, uh, was getting very lucky at the beginning of the year. He's since been sent down. Um, call up Matt Vierling, Rob Thompson, you coward. Um, but, you know, you are you are taking this analytical approach and analyzing the expected stats, and it's, you know, in theory, that will give us a window into which guys who haven't performed to a certain point we should expect to perform and which guys who maybe have been succeeding, we should expect to regress a little bit. Um, But your analysis goes far beyond this. So I know we were talking before the pod that you've looked at how, different hitters in the Yankees lineup appear to have changed their approaches from 2021 to 2022. And we know that Dylan Lawson is all about being a little bit more aggressive. Hitting strikes hard is the mantra. Um, I think our listeners would be very interested to hear what you found about how different players in the Yankees lineup have seen their approaches change from 2021 to 2022 and what results have come from that.
2: Yeah, sounds good. Um, Back to where you found me on Twitter, that my brand has kind of formed itself almost by accident. I think it was about a week into the season, Gallo was smashing the ball and, and none of them went over the fence. A lot of them were being caught by the outfielders, but you could just tell he was kind of locked in actually that first week, uh, but wasn't getting any results from it. So one day I looked up his expected WOBA and his true WOBA and the gap was massive. So I uh, you know, ran, I checked out the rest of the league as well, and sure enough, Gallo was in the top three. And because the Yankees' Twitter is just bananas, they ended up retweeting my tweet, and it got—I guess it, it got a fair amount of impressions. And that's uh, how you saw me. So happy that this worked out. Um, so from last year to this year, obviously the Yankees have a new hitting coach, um, and his mantra is "hit strikes hard." So exit velocity is clearly something valued by the Yankees and most other analytically driven organizations. Um, but what I looked at before this podcast was the strikeout rate and the walk rate from the 2021 team to the 2022 Yankees team. The strikeout rate is kind of all over the place. Some The sample size might be a little bit small here with most folks only having like 150 to 200 plate appearances. But one thing that's pretty consistent is that Everyone's walk rate is down from last year. The Yankees are just not walking as much as they have in the past. And so I looked at their out-of-zone swing percentage, and it's up across the board. They're swinging at balls more than ever. Uh, That doesn't exactly bode well for the future, and that's probably why we're seeing a lot of, you know, kind of frustrating turns through uh, through the lineup recently, even though the team is coming out on top. Uh, It hasn't exactly been because we're mashing the crap out of the ball.
1: Mm -hmm. So I guess one question I would have, Jordan, is do you think so the strikeout to walk numbers definitely, you know, speak for themselves. But do you think like I I guess how do you think last year's approach? Like, do you think they should be walking more or do you think like this is a step down from because I know, you know, they didn't really hit that well last year. They've hit better this year. But. I feel like last year they let, you know, a lot of guys like Clint Frazier and Glaber come to mind. They were definitely a little too passive, in my opinion, letting hittable pitches go by. Their on-base percentages might have been higher, but it just seemed like overall they were diminished offensively. Do you think it's, you know, is this sustainable to, you know, be swinging out of the zone more, to be, you know, hitting better in some players' cases, maybe about the same in other players' cases? Or do you think this is something they need to fix right away? Like, this is a problem that could foretell future
2: issues? I think a little bit of both. I think more than the average onlooker might think, this is a, a red flag to me. Uh, in, in general, year a year-over-year year change in swinging at bad pitches just isn't a good thing. Uh, see, I don't know exactly how Dylan Lawson is working with the team behind the room. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's just a, hey, over the first third of the season, we're going to jump on, our our strategy is going to be to jump on pitchers early, get contact, get balls in play. Uh, One of the big things the Yankees want to focus on this year was base running and speed. And the team's definitely a little quicker and faster. And putting the ball in play definitely matches up with that strategy. So I guess I would say the word I would say around this for now is being cautious. Uh, I think it's it's a trend worth looking at over the next one third of the season to see if uh, we see any improvement uh, on the ozone swing percentage.
0: You know, it's, it's really an interesting uh, trend that you're bringing up, especially because the Yankees have so many players who are considered to be, you know, relatively disciplined hitters. Um, you know, Judge and Stanton are known for walking a lot. Judge particularly chases very, very few pitches. Even Gallo, who doesn't make a ton of contact, has uh, you know a very low chase rate. It's it's interesting because of hit strikes hard that guys would be swinging out of the zone a little more often. And I think you know let's for anyone who isn't necessarily you know making this connection or hasn't necessarily seen this data, let's follow this thread. So guys swing at more pitches out of the zone they probably make some more contact out of the zone and that contact is generally weak you know that's the that's the uh the thing that we uncovered with Clint Frazier last year was he was hitting the ball way more often and hitting the ball weakly way more often so like I think what the thing to be concerned about here is not necessarily that like the Yankees are removing plate discipline from their hitters but that when they're hitting the ball they're hitting it weakly and you know swinging at balls and hitting it softly is very much inconsistent with the idea that we would hit strikes hard um so i think that's a that's a really interesting finding and definitely something to keep our eyes on and jordan i think you know your statement that it might portend some regression you know it it makes sense you can't sustainably succeed hitting balls out of the zone softly um but i do want to go back to you know, what really kind of brought you to my eyes on Yankees Twitter, which is this ex-WOBA minus WOBA thing. And as we discussed before the podcast, I will not at all charge you with defending Kyle Higashioka. I don't think anyone should have to do that. He's the second worst hitter in Major League Baseball since last season started. Um, like he he's terrible and I wouldn't wish that on anyone but what can we tell about this current lineup by looking at the expected stats? Is there anyone whose, you know, performance seems unsustainable? Is there anyone who, even if they've been good, we might expect to do better. Um, You know, what, what can the stats that take into account batted ball quality tell us about what we might see over the rest of the season?
2: Yeah, I have a lot to say about this, but I'll try to keep it succinct as possible. So, I look at xwoba minus woba a lot. xwoba being the expected weighted on base average of a player based on their launch angle and exit velocity of their batted balls and woba being the results that they actually see on these balls hit in play. So if your xwoba exceeds your woba by a significant amount, you can say that you're getting uh, you know, screwed over a little bit where your expected woba, you know, is high but you're not receiving, you're not achieving those results on the Woba side of things. So I looked at at the Yankees uh lineup and see who to this point of the season has had you know the highest X Woba minus Woba. So who's getting screwed the most. And then the first one is uh your favorite, Kyle Higashioka. But that's if you uh if you have a minimum plate appearance of like 15 or more, I think Esteban Floreal actually, uh, the hot, he hit some hard balls, but he was only on the team for four or five days or so.
0: Esteban Florel, low key, you know, I, I believe it. Someone actually dug up the tweet that I had from last August saying Esteban Floreal was going to win rookie of the year. Um, at, as if it was like some awful take, as if I thought Esteban Floreal was getting 600 plate appearances this year. But, um, I'm glad that you have confirmed my Esteban Florial bias. So, but please continue.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, Florial did hit the ball hard, and I hope he gets more of a run at some point this year. I'm sure he will. So Hickey, uh, out of the sixty-three batted balls he's had and played this season, thirty-six have been hard hit and seven have been barrels. That's a lot of really hard contact. And as we know, he has zero home runs on the season right now. So you would think with seven barrels in only 63 bad balls, like one of them is going to go out of the park, especially because he's a fly ball hitter in general, but he just hasn't seen those results so far. And therefore his WRC plus is suffering. Do you have the number of his uh, WRC plus right now? Yeah, it
0: was 20 going into today's game. Um, And that's uh, terrible. Uh, We call it in the business. So... um... It's 37 since April 28th, 2021, which <laughs> is the day that Boone named him the starting catcher. So that's that's generally the date that
2: I take as significant. Yeah, I know you have a nice long Twitter thread on that.
1: <laughs> you just have that on your computer as like your lock screen. Like, oh, let me update this for today.
0: There was yeah. a long time before Trevino started getting really the starters reps, I was... Like, before I opened, like, anything for work in the morning, before I, like, had some coffee, anything like that, I would go into the Fangraphs game log for Kyle Higashioka, set it to April 28th, 2021, and look at how bad it was. And the thing was, like, even if he was having a 40 WRC-plus season this year, it would be improving. But it's not. Like, that's that's how bad this guy's been. And Jordan, I know I was having this discussion with... um. Actually, that random Red Sox account that recently followed us, that interacts with us all the time, um, I was having this Sox discussion Shout. with them. Exactly. Shout out Sox South, I guess. <laughs> um, they're like in South Carolina, but huge Red Sox fans and they go to a bunch of minor league games. I don't know. But um, we we're having a discussion about Alex Verdugo, who has been one of the unluckier hitters in Major League Baseball this year by, you know, stats like the ones you're looking at, Jordan. And... You know, in part of the discussion, I said, look, like oftentimes you can explain away some of what is generally viewed as luck, because maybe, you know, a slow batter will have a slow runner will have a low batting average on balls in play or a guy who's easily shiftable um, like Chris Davis during his big O first streak uh, will have some balls that he hits into the shift that for most other people would not be caught. Um. Is there anyone in the Yankees lineup who you see as getting unlucky who screams out to you in one of those ways? I mean, like Giancarlo Stanton will always have, um, you know, the fact that even when he hits a ball 116 miles an hour, it might go right at someone and he's not very fast. Um, But but is there anyone who we can explain away some of the gap for?
2: Yes, uh, you bring up a great point. So Kyle Higashioka is number one on the ex-WOBA minus WOBA list. Joey Gallo is number two. But here's the thing with Joey Gallo, easily shiftable. So, yeah, he might be hitting these rockets to right field. But when there's seven defenders on the right side of the field, he's not going to achieve those WOBA results. And uh, that's just good defense. Uh, So right after Joey Gallo, number three on the Yankees in ex-WOBA minus WOBA, This actually surprised me. It's Glaber Torres. And that to me is a great sign. I feel like Glaber has had a good season. We've seen him achieve results. And yet the XWOBA minus WOBA formula is saying that there are still more results that are to be achieved for Glaber and Glaber is not an easily shiftable person. So that 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 piqued my interest.
1: So actually, my follow up to that is what what did the reverse of the list look like what about the people who are doing really well but their ex-WOBA is far below that or I guess in the in the other direction who who screams out regression I love the answer we're about
0: to
2: get I love it so much
1: (laughs) I kind of know where this is going now but (laughs) well
2: here's here's the thing actually everyone is has a positive ex-WOBA minus WOBA so that means to some degree the Yankees aren't achieving their expected res- results uh, and so that's a good thing for an offense It means that in theory there's some regression due to come where we're going to be getting some good results on some bad bad balls and play like some bloopers or whatever that should be coming based on the law of averages which doesn't really exist but that's okay uh so uh, uh, in the reverse direction it depends what sort of filter you want on minimum plate appearances I'll knock. We won't. We don't need to talk about Tim LaCastro right now. So, Marvin Gonzalez is actually the first one uh, who, you know, might be getting a little bit lucky. And we probably see like the eye test checks out with that. Marvin has had a lot of hits recently. um, And right behind him is Aaron Judge. But I mean, Aaron Judge just hits the ball so far over the head of all the outfielders and 40 feet beyond the fence. So, his expected Woba and Woba are always going to be home run because he hits a home run every at bat
0: love that guy so um one guy we haven't talked about and a guy who has not gotten nearly enough plate appearances or had enough batted ball events to end up on this list is matt carpenter and i just feel like matt carpenter merits some discussion After the week we've had and after the tenure he's had with the Yankees, you know, for a guy who has five home runs in 20 or five hits in 24 plate appearances with four of those hits being home runs like that's phenomenal. So, Jordan, we were discussing on a recent podcast, um, you know, there's always a guy in the opening day lineup or a guy who plays a little bit early in the year who you ultimately forget, whether it's Kendrys Morales or Troy Tulowitzki or Jordy Mercer or whoever that might be. Like, there's always a guy of that archetype. And when the Yankees signed Carpenter, Whipple and I agreed, like, Matt Carpenter is going to be that guy this year. Then Matt Carpenter went and posted a 262 WRC Plus in his first 24 plate appearances and, you know, just hit a bunch of bombs, including one in a legendary... Played appearance against Shohei Otani, yep. and now I'm not quite sure he's that guy. And we've talked about Marvin Gonzalez, and, you know, I, I don't know that his uh, tenure with the Yankees is going to last much longer, but I'm interested in who you think that guy is, the guy who when we do the 2022 Sporkle quiz, we're
2: easily all going to forget. Do you want a bad a uh, uh, offensive player or can a pitcher be the answer?
0: I feel like the spirit of the question is offensive players. But if you have two answers, I'm happy to take both.
2: No, I don't know. I mean, this team is pretty well constructed. I mean, it's a 39 and 15 team. Yeah. Who's to say that there's going to be someone that's just not going to contribute come September, October? It wouldn't surprise me if this was this lineup they have is similar to the one they roll out in the playoffs, because why not? They have a seven whatever winning percentage, I guess. Really good point. I, I'm You're gonna love my answer. I think it's, I think it's Kyle Higashioka. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but I don't. No, I don't think that's
1: the spirit though, because I think it's like a guy who comes in and leaves, and we associate him with other
2: yeah, yeah. teams Kyle more. Yeah, Kyle gets a lot of play. So.
1: Because I, I think we had mentioned him before. Um, actually, I think when Ryan Garcia was on, that was who was said. I, I feel like it's like we have too much Higgy history at this point. Yeah. Um. Okay. But not to shoot
2: down that. No, that's fair. My my real, the answer I really want to give is Miguel Castro. I don't think he he is going to be on the playoff roster. He can't locate anything.
0: (laughs) I will admit Miguel Castro was one of, he was either the only player I missed or one of two players I missed on the 2022 Yankees thus far. Um, Sporkle. Sporkle quiz, which like is kind of embarrassing because Miguel Castro has pitched a lot. But yeah, I just like as, as much of a wizard as Cashman is with trades for bullpen arms and as much of a god as Matt Blake is like the guy has to be able to throw pitches in the strike zone. And Miguel Castro is a complete liability. And frankly, like even if it takes until August, replacing him with. Zach Britton is going to feel really nice. So I think I think you're onto something there. Um, But now that we've shifted a little bit from talking about the offense into talking about pitchers, I think we should note that the Yankees have now had I believe the stat was they've given up 16 runs in their last 11 games, which is the best 11 game stretch by Yankees pitching ever. And uh, in their last turn through the starting rotation, nobody gave up more than two runs. I know if you go one click back to eliminate Sunday's start from Jordan Montgomery, it was nobody gave up more than one run. Um, These starters are unbelievable. And I saw a tweet going around the other day that said, like, it wouldn't even be surprising if all of them made the all-star team. Whipple, I know we've, we've talked about this a little bit. Um, but can we even put into context in our lifetimes how good this rotation is?
1: No, you really can't. And it's funny because the only that that thing about the turn through the rotations and how good they've been, the only time I can think of something similar was last year, last May, because we had the starts with Kluber's no hitter and then Herman, I think, had a really good game. I know Montgomery had the 11K game against the White Sox, and then Cole had seven shutout against the White Sox. That's like the only other time I remember. You know, the, in the last turn, this has been historically good, and you know, it's. I think the 2021, 2022 rotations are linked a lot of the same pitchers, but and the same pitching coach. But yeah, past that, I mean, what I remember of Yankees, pat, you know, rotations past is that you had the one or two or three good starts if you're lucky. And then you had like the pit, you know, where like the fifth starter, is it going to be Chad Godin or Sergio Mitre? And is it going to be Dustin Mosley or Freddie Garcia and Bartola Cologne? Like you could go through every single year and find that, like, you know, the back half that they're trying to cover for And like those guys did kind of well sometimes, but not, there's never been where you could just put any of your five guys down and, you know, we I, I'm the world's biggest Garrett Cole fan and you know, I he's gonna start game one of the playoffs, but the fact that you could say that he is the third best starter on this team and you know, not get laughed out of the room, and that's not even because he's been bad and there's two guys behind him who have like arguably been as good. I mean, I don't even know where to go with that. It's incredible. And it all comes from I mean, the Montgomery Tyon Cortez trio is just I mean it's that's the best part of this because like Severino coming back is great but we've seen it before Cole is Cole but those three are just pitching at levels they have never done anywhere close to before and in Cortez and Tyone's case they're pitching at legitimately some of the best pitchers in the league level um so that I think that's the most fun part of this is that that back end that's usually like the pit for the Yankees is now arguably stronger than the front end
0: yeah, I mean, Jordan Montgomery is the only guy in the rotation with an ERA over three, and he's 3.02. Yeah.
1: And for past Yankees teams, I mean, that's been worse than the league or the the rotation leader in ERA. And that that's true a lot of the times. Like, the Yankees, I mean, it's only June, but Yankees pitchers, like, haven't had an ERA under three for most of, like, the last 10, 15 years. I mean, it's a lot more rare than you would think.
0: Yeah, you, you get the odd season, but um, especially pre-Cole, it was not common to see. And now you have four out of five guys in the rotation with ERAs in the twos or the ones in Nestor's case. Um, it It's just incredible how complete this team is. And Jordan, you mentioned it earlier, speaking to the construction of the lineup and the fact that maybe the reason we're not there's not an obvious guy who we're going to miss on the Sporkle quiz is because the team is constructed so completely. Um, and I think the pitching staff is constructed in broadly the same way. And the fact that they're so good and they still stand to get Jonathan Lewis back and Zach Britton back, um, you know, it, it just speaks to the strength of this team. So Look, I don't want to look too far ahead, but I think when your team has a seven and a half uh, game lead in the division uh, on June 5th, you can start thinking about what options you have to get better. And, um, you know, it's well documented that I would like the Yankees to get a bat at shortstop. It's not clear to me that that exists, you know, uh, the Braves, the Red Sox, the White Sox, they're all going to be in playoff positions uh, at the end of July, most likely, or at least in the neighborhood, meaning Dansby Swanson, not available. Xander Bogarts was never going to happen anyway. Tim Anderson, probably not available and also wasn't going to happen after, you know, <laughs> the the events that have gone on recently. But... um. I think the outfield is a very interesting question, especially Jordan with respect to the way that you approach your player analysis. There seems to be a consensus among fans that the Yankees need to move on from both Hicks and Gallo and get someone like Ian Happ, Andrew Benintendi, or someone comparable, uh, David Peralta, I've seen mentioned um, to play a corner outfield spot. They'll play judge in center, Stanton and right. Uh, Donaldson at DH and Glaber and DJ both in the infield. Does it strike you that a corner outfield spot is the most pressing need on this team?
2: Uh, I, my my hunch is no. I think the best version of this Yankees team has Joey Gallo bashing the crap out of the ball. Uh, I love that. I, I mean, it does. That's the plan. And that's the player he, he's capable of being something is different with his swing this year where he's just not catching up to the high fastball pretty much and that's causing him you know stress at the plate his chase rate has gone up like crazy compared to last year and his brand is not chasing the baseball so so far no good for Joey Gallo but I don't think uh the Yankees or any organization would give up on a player of his talent level just this quickly um I think they'll spend the next two months or so continuing to work with him. Their front office, their player development staff and their coaches, uh, a lot of whom they hired newly over the offseason, uh, are going to take on the Joey Gallo project and they're going to give it another go. And hopefully by the trade deadline, he's seeing and hi- seeing and hitting the ball the ball better. But I guess if the trade deadline comes around and we're not getting anything out of the corner outfield position from Hicks or Gallo, Sure any good contender with assets in the in the uh, minor leagues like the Yankees have would look to improve for sure. I think right now the biggest uh issue the biggest area of need is the bullpen. Uh, Clay Holmes is the best reliever in baseball definitely should be an all-star. Michael King is having a great season. he pitched well today. he pitched well yesterday also. Uh, he's looking better after his little bump in the road a few a week or so ago. Uh, and besides that, I don't know. There's a big drop off. We can bank on the coming back of Jonathan Loizaga and coming, hoping that he comes back to his 2021 form. We can bank on Britain uh, providing something come August to September. But uh, I don't know if that's exactly the plan, like to, to be expecting on these awesome recoveries from these injured players.
1: Yeah, I think the bullpen is just so much easier for them to add a player just because there's so many spots and the odds, you know, we can bank on so-and-so, but, you know, to bank on everyone coming back is kind of risky. And um, I just think it's the place where you could probably upgrade for the cheapest and have the most flexibility. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, you know, I think kind of what I feel about the, and I've said this on the pod, what I feel about their trade situation is they're just not going to want to shake things up to the extent that, like, we might feel that they have to in some areas. And for better or worse, they've shown a willingness to punt offense for defense. And I don't think it's worked, but it's, you know, the record is good. Obviously, you can't argue with the record. You can't argue with the composite team. And I I think there is something to, like, you know, if they're playing well and then you, you know, start trading for guys and, you know, trading away guys, like, I don't, you know, I don't know if Cashman cares, but I just feel like that's not what they've done in the past. They've only gotten into the trademark in a big way if they've needed a big push um so i do feel like you know the depth pieces and the bullpen especially like i wouldn't be surprised if their biggest move at the trade deadline was like a top name reliever just because most flexibility they love building a big bullpen and you know you're not stripping a role from someone so i i think that you know i agree with you the bullpen is probably the most likely to get upgraded
0: is it too perfect to say that the move is ian happ and david robertson Like David Robertson, I was like, Yes, David Robertson's ground ball rate this year is over 53%. He's striking out, like, I don't know, 30% of batters or something. It is like the exact David Robertson profile that you would want to see. And then the fact that there's Ian Happ right there, who he's a switch hitter, isn't he? I think he's a switch hitter. Um, potentially switch hitter can play any of the outfield spots is a legitimate center fielder in case you want to move judge to right for a game. Um, like it's just, it, it, I know that people are interested in Benintendi. People are interested in Peralta. There will be other corner outfielders who become available, but like the, the idea that there could be another David Robertson reunion that he's kind of rediscovered his form and that there's a perfect outfielder to pair with him. Like, am I am I just like living in a fantasy world or Jordan, is that a move that you would make if you were the Yankees?
2: I mean, a trade with the Cubs has been floated around Yankees Twitter for like years, it feels like. And I'm, to my knowledge, have we transacted with the Cubs at all? I just don't think I don't know if the Yankees and the Cubs really negotiate that much. Yeah, That's a good I, point. I can't think of one. It, it's kind of clear that su- certain MLB teams like working with other MLB GMs. Like Cashman has a good rapport down in Texas, and he has a good rapport with the Padres. So I've heard. Um, and I just don't. I don't know if a trade on the with the Cubs is on the table. Wilson Contreras has been floated here and there too. Imagine a Contreras, Ian Happ, and David Robertson acquisition. That'd be ridiculous.
0: I would. I would love that. Although. The Yankees had Wilson Contreras. His name was Gary Sanchez, and they got rid of him. So, I mean, as, as much as I would love you, this team is not losing in the playoffs with Wilson Contreras and Jose Trevino behind the plate. I'm there. It's just not happening. But that that's a really good point, Jordan, that you bring up, that there are teams that other teams like to transact with and. I certainly could not tell you the last trade between the Yankees and the Cubs. I mean, at least for a significant player, it could go back to Ted Lilly, for all I know. Whipple, what do you think? Let's say, you know, Jordan's very legitimate objection aside. um, Is there a deal that you can think of that makes more sense than that one when you think about areas of need?
1: I mean, that one packages it together. It would be kind of fitting if you bring back Robertson for another time in a multiplayer trade that helps you fill multiple positions, given that's what happened in 2017. Um, I think there's better relievers they can get. But, I, Hap, you know, the Hap and Benetendi, um crowd, I think, you know, the, those are the two people that they feel would most uh, upgrade the Yankees outfield. I mean, I agree. I think it's you really could do a lot worse Uh, or couldn't do a lot worse I think that Wilson Contreras is not gonna happen because as I said the Yankees aren't gonna shake things up to that level especially with the pitching going this well like I just don't remember like trading for a like catcher is just a tricky position to trade for because I think the you know the pitching impact is so important as well and to you know shake that up and to have to learn a new pitching staff mid-season I mean maybe they proved me wrong but I, I would love to see a half Robertson combo. I, I saw the same Twitter thread that you did, I'm sure, suggesting that. And that was like, yes, so, okay, bring me back. The, we need someone from the 2009 Yankees. And they've obviously, you know, ruled out Robinson Cano for for pretty good reason, as, as Padres tenure showed us. So, um, Who you know, they thought will sign that... Brett Gardner. But they, you know, as my preseason prediction said, they're going to sign Brett Gardner midseason. But <laughs> bring back Robertson as well.
0: Who would have thought that, The Yankees signing Matt Carpenter in 2022 would be a better move than bringing back Robinson Cano. Certainly not me. And Jordan astutely brings up we could not think of any transactions with the Cubs except for the trade for Anthony Rizzo last year. So there is a little bit of a history between these two teams. But, you know, to to your point, I think it still stands that, you know, that's very much a one off. It's not the Yankees trading for, um, you know, Joey Gallo and then going and getting Jose Trevino. It's not, um, you know, the blockbuster trade with the White Sox. It is one isolated transaction, and there's not a long history between those teams. Mm -hmm. But hopefully that opened up doors that the Yankees can now capitalize
1: on. Yeah, I think it's actually interesting, you know, speaking of opening up doors. And um, I don't know if you guys caught the athletic article detailing the Yankees' Gala, the Gallo trade with, and the history between the Yankees and Rangers and just how that deal started. It was, um, I think it started off when there's discussions of a Lance Lynn deal and then discussions of an Adam Modavino deal. And I thought it was interesting, you know, it turned into the Gallo deal eventually how like this stuff shapes over time. And maybe, you know, one once Rizzo was being discussed there that kind of put some prospects on the radar that could figure into a future trade. So, um, definitely something to, to keep your eye on um, if that if that was to happen. But we just we don't know. I mean, I am I would be fascinated to learn, you know, the histories of like every single trade, just because I'm sure all of these take shape over multiple years and iterations of players.
0: Do you know how excited I am for the Adolis Garcia, Jason Dominguez, Aaron Judge outfield of the future?
2: <laughs> Average exit velocity, three. 100 miles per hour (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) it's gonna be awesome so uh look the yankees just had a 6-0 week um they're the best team in baseball they at least this morning had the best wrc plus in baseball the best era in baseball the most fan graphs wore from pitchers in baseball uh the most home runs in baseball. And uh, they, of course, lead every other team now that the Dodgers-Mets game has wrapped up by, I believe, three games uh, uh, for the best record. They have the best run differential in the American League. Like, this team is just phenomenal. And Jordan, uh, I don't know how much you've listened to the podcast, but you're, you're allowed to say you listen to it all the time. Um, you're not allowed to say anything else, actually. Um <laughs> But every week at the end of the podcast, Whipple and I rate our confidence out of 10 in this team. And people interpret that metric in different ways. Some people think we're asking, how confident are you that they're going to win the World Series? Some people think they're asking us to grade holistically how you feel about the performance of the Major League team, the readiness of the farm system, your faith in management. And we just we just really leave it up to you. There are a million different ways you can interpret it. But on a scale of one to 10, how confident do you feel in the tied for sixth best team in Yankees history through 54 games, <laughs> uh, currently the best team in Major League Baseball?
2: Yeah, like you said, 39 and 15. The record speaks for itself. Uh, it's really fun to come on the pod and do that in this type of season compared to last season. Um So I think I can rate my confidence score to a lot of what we talked about today. Uh, The starting pitching of the 2022 New York Yankees is the best I can recall from my childhood of watching the Yankees. The relief pitching has some of the best players I've ever seen throw the baseball in Clay Holmes and maybe Jonathan Loizaga when he's healthy and Michael King with his sinker slurve combination. But it's a little bit weak on the um on the depth of the relievers. And, and from the from the offensive side of things, uh, like I said before, like the chase rate is making me a little bit worried that uh this team that's supposed to be bashing the ball and taking walks and hitting strikes hard, uh, is just not exactly doing that for the first third of the season. Certainly doing it way better than some offensively poor teams, but uh, you know, I, I don't think the Yankees are quite at their uh capability level yet so with all that being said i'll give it a 9.5 i know i i listen to the pod i know you guys are up around 10 nine and a half so i'll come with a big number two um he did his homework i'll leave a little bit of room for growth though in uh, 0.5 hopefully we uh take some more walks we hit some more strikes hard and we continue to win some baseball games
1: absolutely love it whipple what about you So last week I was down all the way down to a 9.5. And, you know, I think last week was just, it wasn't concerning. It was just, you know, from a flawless week to a, you know, there are some flaws that I think were hindering this team. And I still don't think those flaws have entirely gone away. I think this week was a great example of the strengths. You know, when this Yankees team has done well, it hasn't been a perfect team. It's been the strengths being so good. It overpowers everything else, which is probably how most baseball you know, it, the best baseball teams play. Like a team doing everything right at once for every game is hard. But, you know, this week's team was, you know, incredible, the best starting pitching we've ever seen and pretty good offense to okay offense. But, you know, when you have that pitching, it's going to let you win most every game. And I just love that there is, you know, there is a world, there's, you know, I don't know how many people have seen Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. There is a multiversal universe out there where the Yankees are undefeated. Like there is a reality that exists that they have not lost the game all season because that's how good this pitching has been. And I don't really feel the need to go to that world because I'm pretty happy with this world. Um, I'm going to stay at a 9.5 just because, you know, the, the concerns were slightly alleviated. The strengths were really really good the competition might not have always been great but you play who's on the schedule and they have you know this week will be okay strengths wise but they have a tough stretch of games coming up I'm very confident in the fact that they can get it done but like Jordan said I'm gonna leave myself a little room for growth because I'd like to see a little more stability from the relief pitchers and I'd like to see some of these offensive uh, kinks worked out but the starting pitching itself, you know, there's no they they could bomb for a whole week and I would still be really confident in them. Like they, they have just proven everything that they need to. All they need to do is stay healthy now. And let's let's hope it happens.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I gotta hop on at a nine point five as well. Um the offense seemed to find itself a bit. Thank you, Matt Carpenter. Uh, in spite of not having Gall- uh or rather Stanton and Donaldson for most of the week, um, the starting pitching is even though they've been basically first in either the AL or the majors, depending on what time you looked uh, in every stat throughout the year. I think the last couple of weeks have really driven home how dominant the starting staff is and. Uh, There are a lot of peripherals that speak to the sustainability of this performance, which I think is is great. Like everyone's saying, just wait for Nestor Cortez to regress. Like, okay, why? Like, like what makes you think he's going to? Um, And when you combine certainly not the
1: fact he's wearing a bucket hat on the bench, (laughs) that makes you think he's going to get better.
0: (laughs) The Yankees starting pitcher bucket hat movement is going to be a great segment of the World Series DVD. Um, but, uh, you know, there's just so much to love about this team, about the way they produce, about the individual players who are doing it. You know, we're getting a Nestor Cortez, Cy Young and an Aaron Judge MVP in a year when the Yankees are winning the World Series. And I think that's just terrific. Um, and, and for that reason, you know, it, it takes extraordinary things to go to a 10, um, So I'm going to stick at a 9.5, but I just could not be happier with what I've seen out of this team. Now, before we end here, the Yankees have some old friends coming to town uh, in, or, you know, they're visiting some old friends and then have some old friends coming to town. So the Yankees are headed to Minnesota for a three game series starting on Tuesday. Uh, They're going to be visiting, of course, Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela, both of whom I miss terribly. Um, Gary more than Geo, both because I liked him more and because Geo is leading the majors in ground into double plays, which is um illegal as far as I'm concerned. Uh that should be punishable by death. Uh and then the Yankees host the Cubs, who of course feature Clint Frazier. Uh I am very, very, very concerned. That the guys who the Yankees jettisoned will make them pay to some degree over the course of this week. Is this a concern that either of you share?
2: There's nothing that's going to be worse than when Clint Frazier hits a three run walk off home run in, or I guess not walk off, but go ahead home run in Yankee Stadium and does some ridiculous celebrations around running around the bases. And meanwhile, you look at his stats this year, he's barely been healthy. He hasn't really been that effective when he's been on the field, but it's it's coming. It's going to happen at Yankee Stadium, and I'll probably go to the game to witness it.
0: Are you blaming Clint Frazier for his appendix exploding?
2: Uh, no, I guess that's a good point. But hey, <laughs> it, just, it didn't surprise me when in April, Luke Voigt, Clint Frazier, and I think it was Gary, I believe, were all on the IL at the same time. And so those were people that happen. came, Cashman dumped off the team. Uh, that would have been the the Yankees if they kept them and uh, would have been just like last year all over again with the injury bug. Gary doesn't I walk say anymore, that but I he does very... have a
0: 111 WRC+. Whipple, you were saying?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad that the Yankees are as good as they are because I like watching the Yankees be good, but also because it's going to save us from a whole week of they should have kept X, Y, and Z when those players get a hit, which... Maybe they should have kept them. Maybe they shouldn't have. I'm in the camp of I'm glad they moved on from some of them, but I'm just also in the camp of let's just focus on this team and not try to worry about, you know, guys we don't have. I know that New York sports media loves stuff like this. And I think if this team was like only slightly worse, like they're as good as they possibly can be. And I'm sure somebody will still say that. Um, So let's be glad that at least we're spared from, you know, most of that conversation.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. And, you know, it just it keeps proving the point that we discuss every week, which is it pays to be the best team in baseball. Uh, Parting shots. Whipple, I'll go to you first. Anything you want to add?
1: Yeah, it was a week of bucket hats. It was a week of picking up pitch tipping. Um, It was a week of beating up Shohei Otani Yankee Stadium and holding Mike Trout hit list. I really know how this week gets better. Uh, I'm just glad to be a Yankees fan
2: right now. It's a lot of fun.
0: Love that. Jordan, anything from you?
2: Yeah, two quick things. Um, one, we had the Ian Hap David Robertson trade conversation. But to be honest, most of the time Cashman makes a trade, it's for a player that just simply hasn't been mentioned on Twitter or whatever. It kind of comes out of nowhere. So that's, that's one great point what to watch out for over the next few months. And two, I'm curious to see how the 40 man roster, you know, um, what, what it how it unfolds later this season with potentially britain coming back and needing to be activated off the 60 day IL. herman same thing ben roort same thing steven ridings potentially same thing like these are 40 man spots that are going to have to be given to those players and so we're going to either see some dfas or trades uh, i guess one thing we didn't really talk about this week was and duhar requesting a trade not sure if that's actually going to happen but uh you know he could be on his way soon i think david mckay is pretty expendable Luis Hill, I don't believe is on the 60-day uh, IL yet, so uh, he'll be moved to there. But I think there's going to be another name that gets uh, moved that maybe we don't expect. Like uh, my my hunch is Miguel Castro isn't going to be Yankee come the end of the season. It'll
0: be it'll be very interesting. It'll be especially interesting if the Yankees trade Miguel Castro for a non-40-man guy. Um, I don't know. My hope is that Marvin Gonzalez is gone. I hate that guy. That was a little aggressive but like you can't just be employing a 2017 astro who's terrible because you don't trust labor to play shortstop a little bit sometimes um my parting shot was going to be that Isaiah Kiner-Falefa had two hits today sure they had an ag- average exit velocity of like 74 miles an hour so um i i i, I don't like hits <laughs> either
1: is this your weekly say something nice about Isaiah Kiner-Falefa so people don't get mad at you segment? that <laughs> People there is that one so... guy on Twitter who gets mad at you.
0: That, that that guy, there's a guy on Twitter who gets mad at me. He got mad at me earlier this week for pointing out that briefly Joey Gallo had a higher WRC plus than Isaiah kiner falefa and saying that walking and slugging mattered. He then tried to tell me that uh, WRC plus having a WRC plus over or under 100 was not an accurate way to describe whether a player had been above or below average offensively, which like definitionally is false. Um, He then tried to tell me that you don't have to slug to be successful, which is wrong. If you look at any era of Major League Baseball history, the guys with the lowest ISO, which is slugging minus batting average, are also, you know, none of them are productive players. Basically, it was from 1984 to 1987 of the 30 guys with the lowest ISO three were above average from 2019 to 2022 of the 30 guys with the lowest ISO two were above average, like it's very consistent in major league history. You have to slug to win. If there's any offensive category I could choose for the Yankees to lead the lead in, it would be slugging. I think I've said that a million times anyway. um, Gosh, you get me talking about Isaiah Conner Falefa and I just kind of fly off the handle. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you?
2: Yeah, for now, uh, I'm just on Twitter, XWOBA underscore WOBA. Some of my non-baseball friends have seen my Twitter handle, and they're like, what the heck does that mean? But for the baseball listeners out there, it's XWOBA underscore uh, WOBA. Find me on LinkedIn also. My name's Jordan Levine. We'd be happy to connect uh, and start to get to know you guys. Thanks for they having me find
0: out. We're very happy to have you, Jordan. Anyway, look, Yankees are the best team in baseball, 39-15. and 15. Off day tomorrow and then kind of the like Clint Frazier, Gary Sanchez, Gio Rochella victory tour. Um but hopefully the Yankees go six and oh during it anyway next week and then kind of a treacherous stretch of the schedule. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on Whipple. It was a pleasure as always. You can always find us on Twitter. We are at Yankees Files. You can go to Yankeesfiles.com Files dot com and you can you know, follow our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. So we've enjoyed it. And the Yankees, you know, with an undefeated week certainly did. We will see you same time next week. Until then, let's go Yankees.